Yeah, that soccer show is proud to be a part of the Soccer and Sweet Tea Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Go check out all the great coverage of soccer in the Carolinas at soccer, the letter N, sweettea.com. Here at Yeah, That Soccer Show, we're always excited to tell you about our sponsors so that you can support them because they support us and we're able to bring you the shows thanks to all of their generosity. And that includes Brad Butchkowski of the Wonder Check Realty Group. You can find him on social media at Brad Butchkowski, B-U-C-Z-K-O-W-S-K-I, or I am Brad B on Twitter. Or you can check out his website, brad.selling-greenville.com. That's Brad Butchkowski with the Wonder Check Realty Group. This is Yeah, That Soccer Show. Your one-stop shop for all your soccer coverage in Greenville and the upstate. We want this show to be driven by you. So make sure you send us an email at yeahthatsoccershow at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at YTSS Podcast. Now, let's get to the show. Welcome in to episode number 37 of Yeah That Soccer Show. Today we're bringing you a very special edition of Yeah That Soccer Show. We're not talking about any Greenville teams today. Today we are going to talk about Major League Soccer MLS Cup Final that will take place on Saturday, December 8th in Atlanta, Georgia. We wanted to do a special little episode here because I know we have a ton of Atlanta United fans in the upstate. There's been a pretty solid group of folks gathering over at Yeehaw Brewing, um, especially through the playoffs, to watch Atlanta United's push towards MLS Cup. But, hey, we don't just have Atlanta United fans in our audience. We also have Portland Timbers fans. I'm sure there are more than just the Hildreths, but the Hildreths are... Uh, very special to Yeah That Soccer Show, and so we wanted to shout them out as well. So today, what we're going to do, we're going to take a chance to break down these two teams, break down this matchup as we move towards MLS Cup on Saturday. It has been a very, very fun MLS season that has led us to a place where the team that many would consider the best in the league, Atlanta United, has made it to the championship game from the East. They've certainly been, I know they didn't win the Eastern Conference uh, regular season points total. They didn't win the Supporter Shield. But I think most people, most uh, pundits would tell you that Atlanta United has been pretty much the best team throughout the season. I think some could argue there with the Red Bulls obviously having won Supporter Shield. But I think a lot of people would tell you that uh, really, Atlanta United has looked at the class of Major League Soccer all season. And then in the Western Conference this year, it's kind of been a little bit of a crapshoot. Teams have been on top. They've kind of rotated around. I think SKC, Seattle, Portland um, have all really staked a claim to being the best in the West. And, you know, that's what's so great about Major League Soccer as opposed to other soccer leagues around the world is that you get to have this postseason playoff run and you get to see who is best prepared when it gets to the postseason. Portland has certainly earned their way 
to MLS Cup. They started the season uh, roughly. They did not win a game for for quite a while, um, but they have made a big push towards the end of the season and went uh, several unbeaten in a row. And now here they are. They've pushed through the playoffs. Some would even say in unexpected fashion. I think there were, especially the SKC series where they did not score at home. They're going nil-nil on the road, needing to uh, at least tie the match against SKC, which is a tough place to play. They wind up winning that match and securing the Western Conference Championship. So I wanted to talk a little bit about Portland preview the Portland Timbers and what needs to happen for them in order to win Major League Soccer's championship game on Saturday. They got here, like I said, the regular season was uh, a little bit of a rough start, but a very, very strong finish for the Timbers. Pushing into the postseason, they were the five seed in the Western Conference, which means they had to play the knockout game on the road at FC Dallas managed to pull out that victory to get into the conference semifinals where they were going to take on their Cascadia rivals, their biggest rivals, the Seattle Sounders, wound up going all the way to penalty kicks against the Sounders in that second game and managed to squeak by there with a victory. Then having to take on the number one seed sporting Kansas City in the championship uh Championship home and home. And we talked about that a moment ago, but they it was a nil-nil draw at home. They go on the road to SKC. They go down at the very beginning of the match. And then probably the, one of the best goals you're ever going to see by Sebastian Blanco to get them back into it. They then wind up taking the lead through Diego Valeri. And... SKC ties it up again late in the match, and it's not until extra time. Of course, at that, with it tied, the Timbers are going to get through anyway. But you get the punctuation mark on it in extra time there. They're going to win the match 3-2 to two to get here to the championship match. So what are the keys to Portland's success in MLS Cup? Well, it starts up top, and they have a dynamic duo, maybe one of the best in the league, Diego Valeri and Sebastian Blanco, who, honestly, they 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 can really do anything. If you Like I said, you need to go back. If you haven't seen that Sebastian Blanco goal from the Western Conference Finals, the second leg there, I mean, he was nowhere close to the goal. Uh, I mean, maybe 30 yards out unmarked, but just lasers it into the top corner, curls it in there over um, Tim Melia, and just a beautiful – I mean, it's just – it's one of those things where they, he can strike from anywhere and, and put it in the back of the net. And Valeri is perhaps even more dangerous. He's, he's the kind of guy that, like, once he believes he can make it, he's going to go for it. And it's, it's all mental for him. He's got a, a solid – finish he can finish in a variety of ways and he seems to be one of those guys that can just sneak by you while you're not even paying attention and knock a goal in the back of the net so those two that tandem up top I think is going to be the one of the major keys in the match because 
Portland's going to play very defensive. That's how they play. And then they look for opportunities for uh, Valeri and Blanco on the counter to create opportunities, and they regularly do that. So I think for Atlanta United, the the center backs, the defensive midfielders are really going to have to keep an eye on those two. The second key for Portland in MLS Cup is another individual on the team, Diego Chara, who is a midfielder for the Timbers. He's played all kinds of positions on the field this year, but I think that uh, Giovanni Savarisi has him penciled in at perhaps the best position for him, and that's right there in that midfield. He can play a little defensively, but he's very, very good at creating chances and getting the ball where it needs to be to set up that dynamic duo to score. So Diego Chara, he's a guy that's going to be hes going to be the key. He's going to be the cog through which all of Portland's attack is going to run. And he's just hes going to be a tough matchup in the midfield. I actually think the matchup between him and Eric Rometty from Atlanta United is going to be crucial. Um, those two guys are probably going to be right on top of each other all game. And I think that's going to be a very, very critical matchup in this game. And the third and final key to look at for Portland as they walk into Mercedes-Benz Stadium on Saturday is the extracurriculars. They have traveled across the country to get here. Now, obviously, they're already in Atlanta. They're having a day or so to get acclimated, to recover from travel. I don't think the travel lag is going to be a big issue, but it is a big deal when you've got to travel. You're not staying at home. You're staying in hotels. You're you're having to kind of be right there on top of everyone else. You, you potentially are away from your family. Travel is something to be considered. The other major, major thing that's going to be a, a factor, I think, for the Timbers is the crowd on Saturday. If you've ever been to an Atlanta United match, you know that the crowd is very raucous and rambunctious, and it's it's a really cool and really exciting environment, and that is just on any old match. I think for a championship match, for a team in a city that maybe has the best chance to bring them a championship since the Braves in the early 90s, the crowd's going to be pretty raucous. <laughs> I think it's going to be a, a different kind of environment than it even is in a normal circumstance. And in normal circumstances, that can be a little daunting for opposing players. So I think that's going to be something to watch as the match kicks off on Saturday evening. Projected lineup. Um, the great thing about the Timbers is they've kind of settled into a, a rhythm in terms of how they line up here in the postseason and really towards the end of the season. The last time they played Atlanta down here in July, I believe, they lined up in like a 5-3-2, and they have not really run that formation since then. Um, I think they've really kind of settled into this 4-2-3-1 that seems to be more the way that they are going to line up, and I think their lineup is fairly, fairly predictable, assuming everyone's healthy, assuming everyone's ready to go. Obviously, uh, they're going to have Jeff Attenella in the goal on the uh, the back four, going from left to right. You're going to have Jorge Villafania, Liam Ridgewell. You're going to have Larry Smiabala, although Tuoloma has played back there here in the playoffs too. But I think as long as uh, as long as Mabiala is healthy, I think you're going to see him 
there at that right center back. And then on the right wing, um, I think it's going to be Zarek Valentin. Although the last match, he did not look, he did not look very good. So you may see Powell slot in there um, for the start. I don't know. Or maybe Valentin starts. And if he isn't doing well, uh, he gets, he has a short leash. Then on your, I'm going to call them defensive midfielders, but they're not necessarily going to play extremely defensive, at least not both of them. Um, you're going to have David Guzman, Guzman back there and Diego Chara. And then on your left wing, Sebastian Blanco right there at your center mid, your attacking guy, your number 10, that's going to be Diego Valeri. And then out on the right side, I think you're going to see Andy Polo continue to start out there. And then obviously up top, Jeremy Abobasi is going to be in that striker role for Portland. We're going to take a quick break, and when we get back, we're going to preview Atlanta United and what they need to do as they enter Saturday's MLS Cup final. Here at Yeah That Soccer Show, we're excited to continue our partnership with Uptown Poor, part of the Uptown Company, along with their sister organization, Uptown Catering. Hey, if you are looking for food or beverage catering for your next event or party, make sure you go check them out. You can go to Uptown Poor Co. Dot com Or if you want to see and visualize what you're going to get for your money, go over to Instagram and follow them at The Uptown Company. You can see all of the great things they have on offer. Thanks again to Uptown Poor for sponsoring, yeah, that soccer show. Welcome back to our MLS Cup preview. We have already taken a chance to look at the Portland Timbers and what the keys to the game are, what their projected lineup is going to be, and what they need to do entering Saturday's big match. Now let's take a look at Atlanta United and what they need to do first. Let's talk about how they got here. The regular season for Atlanta United was one of the best in MLS history. They tied the points total for Toronto FC last season who broke the record. Obviously they were outdone by the New York Red Bulls. So they did not win supporter shield and they do not have the best record in history. But I think there's a, a few things you can look about them this season that really let you down a really disappointing loss in Dallas. Uh, and then the bookends you started the very first matchup of the season on the road in Houston. A lot of you might've been out at the courtyard Marriott to watch that game. Miserable. That was a miserable game. And in a lot of ways mirrored the very last game of the season up in Toronto, a four, one loss. And it just, I don't know, like both of those games, it just felt like you didn't, it wasn't the same team who took the pitch every other game for the season for the most part, but they finished on a sad note, but in the playoffs, it almost seems to have been a good thing. It's lit in a fire. It's lit a fire under them. They've got a spark. They're ready to roll. They have pushed through the playoffs. And if you've been watching the playoffs, if you've been following them, they were the number two seeds. So they didn't have to play a knockout game. They went straight into the conference semifinals against New York City FC, where they win on the road 1-0 in the first leg. And then when they come back home, it's it's just sheer domination of the boys in light blue. Then you move on to the Eastern Conference Finals, open it at home against New York Red Bulls, get the 3-0 victory. And pretty much after that first leg, you feel like, 
it's it seems like it's basically a done deal. I mean, never say never, but it was going to be a massive hill to climb for the Red Bulls to be able to come out on top. And Atlanta showed up in that second leg and played as if they knew that. They didn't have to score. They really hunkered in and I don't want to say parked the bus because they actually had more scoring opportunities than the Red Bulls did uh, in the first half. And it just, uh, but it, it just looked like they knew what they had to do in order to get here. And that's been the great thing in this playoff run that I have seen is Tata Martino has really changed his typical style of play. Whereas last season, he was almost rigid to a fault. This year, it's like we hit the playoffs and he completely reset the board and said, hey, regular season play is one thing. Postseason play, tournament play, there's a way that we have to play in order to know we're going to be able to get ahead and, and win in these kind of crapshoot, one-match, two-leg type situations. And so that's been reassuring, but it's also been interesting to watch. And I think it might be even more interesting to see how we go into MLS Cup where you don't have two legs. It's a one-leg deal. It's one match, winner take all, and I think that will be interesting to watch. Keys to the game for Atlanta. Number one is going to be flexibility. And the reason I say that is Tata had a system he ran most of the season. Well, last year he ran exclusively a version of a 4-3-3. It most of the time looked like a 4-2-3-1. And that was pretty much all that he did. He didn't really adjust that much. He might have swapped a player in and out here or there. But for the most part, that was the system, and that's how they ran it. This year he's tinkered with it a few times as as injury bugs have hit. And I think really it was early in the season, um, Greg Garza goes down, and all of a sudden Tata walks out this 3-5-2 formation, and it starts to really, really look good. And while he went back to the 4-3-3 for the majority of the time, there were times where you would see them come out in this 3-5-2. Maybe it's a matter of you want to get the right matchups, you want to get the right players on the pitch. And it has been incredibly successful all season. So now in the playoffs, he's almost exclusively run that 3-5-2. And even really, especially the second leg in New York, almost more of a 5-3-2 with the wingbacks really staying back and playing defensively. I think that that's going to be maybe the approach they step in. We'll talk about that when we get to the projected lineup. I don't know that they'll change that, at least initially. But I think flexibility is going to be a key because Portland is going to play very defensively. They are going to let Atlanta have some possession. The key is going to be, do, do the does Atlanta United decide to, hey, let's play, let's push it more into a 4-3-3, let's go attack and take advantage of that possession, thus opening themselves up to the counterplay that we talked about with Portland, or do they just kind of play the way they've played and maybe you have two teams with similar approaches where, hey, we're going to play play it safe a little bit on the defensive aspect and hope that our playmakers up top can create chances for us because both teams are going to have excellent, excellent attacking players and excellent opportunities to score. Uh, the second key for Atlanta United, focus. This is something that I think... I, you know, these are professional athletes. This shouldn't be an issue. But Atlanta has been a bit of a zoo already this week. 
Um, you had the obviously with the cup here. You've got all the hoopla around it. This town has turned into Soccer City, USA, to steal a term from Portland. They've really the, all the radio shows, all the local news coverage has been talking about this championship match coming in. You also in that time you've had Joseph Martinez win the league MVP award. So that's been a little bit of a, a hoopla on it to do. All of this has been distracting. And then you've got all the things that are going to go on when you get to Saturday, all the pressure. It kind of feels like the pressures on Atlanta, whereas maybe not, maybe people are not expecting Portland to win. Um, the, the, there's one, there's one reputable outlet there that is saying Atlanta United has a 77% chance to win MLS Cup. I mean, it feels like the pressure is on them. And so I think that that's going to be something they're going to have to focus in. They're going to have to treat this like any other game and not let the weight of the moment get in the way where they just shut down, which is maybe what happened in Toronto on the last game of the season when, they're, when they had the pressure of winning Supporters' Shield. The third key for Atlanta United is going to be the crowd support. And I think that, you know, they're obviously, they know what this team means to Atlanta. They know what the support is like during the season. But again, just like I said for Portland, I think that the crowd is going to be on a different level on Saturday. There's going to be a different sense in the air. I think you're going to have a lot more eyes from around the world on this game. Honestly, I think there's potential that this is the biggest, most publicized, most watched MLS Cup in history. Um, it just fe- it just has that kind of feel to it. It has that that sense that this match is really going to be uh, perhaps a, a a linchpin moment in, for soccer in this country, and I really think it's a uh, it's going to open the door to a whole new set of fans from around the world to this league. So I think that's going to be a, a big part to what's going to go on in this game. I think the crowd support and, again, that that kind of ties in with that focus and pressure element. But, uh, but that's going to be something that's going to be a key for Atlanta United. Projected lineup. Like I said, I think Atlanta United is going to come out again in that Three five two. I think it's going to look more like a three five two. Not really. You're not going to go as defensive as you did in the second leg of the conference final. Obviously, Brad Guzan and goal. Um, you're going to have Greg Garza out on the left wing, really pushing forward a good bit, as he always does. Uh, you'll have uh, LGP there uh, on the left center back. Uh, Michael Parkhurst in the center center back, and then. Uh, I think Jeff Laurentowitz is going to kind of drift back and play more as a right center back there, as he does typically. Um, you know, he's he's kind of been a really cool hybrid player for Atlanta, almost a defensive midfielder at times, a center back at times. Um, and I think you're going to kind of see him in that role again. And then, obviously, Franco Escobar out on the right wing, playing and pushing just as far up as Greg Garza will. And then right there in the midfield, uh, Eric Rometty and Darlington Nagby um, being your central midfielders who are going to be the the key to pushing the ball through. And then also mixed in there, Julian Gressel. It's kind of hard for me to, to really explain exactly what that midfield triangle looks like. I would say of all of them, Rometty is probably sitting more defensively 
Um, while Nagby and Gressel are focused on ball movement and setting up chances for your guys up top, which are Miguel Almarone, who's going to play slightly behind uh, Joseph Martinez as your your pure striker. I know it's a three five two, but it's almost more like a three five one one in in a lot of ways because Miggy's not going to be quite pushed as high as Joseph. Um, but I think that's the look you're going to see from the five stripes come Saturday. All right, we're going to take one more quick break, and then we get back, we're going to go line for line, player for player, heads up comparison, and see if we can't figure out who's got the advantage going into Saturday, and we're going to make our own predictions. The Spice and Tea Exchange offers a wide variety of spices, loose leaf teas, seasoning blends, sugars, salts, and more to guests from around the world. Visitors are encouraged to freely explore the shop, open jars of fragrant spices, and receive helpful advice on flavors and cooking from a passionate, involved staff. Take a quick glance behind their blending counter, and you might find employees hand-mixing custom spice blends, serving up flavorful tea options, or crafting unique gifts. The Spice and Tea Exchange began franchising in August 2008 and found a home in Greenville in 2013. We want to celebrate our fifth year in Greenville and 10 years as a company, Come meet our new owner, Valerie, and receive 15% off your total purchase if you mention you heard it on Yeah! That Soccer Show. Thanks again to the Spice and Tea Exchange of Greenville for being the official spice store of Yeah! That Soccer Show. Welcome back into our special MLS Cup episode of Yeah! That Soccer Show. I thought this might be fun. I'm going to go man for man. The starting 11 and the two coaches and see who we think might have the advantage. So we're going to start with the guys in charge. Tata Martino on the Atlanta United side and Giovanni Savarisi on the Portland Timbers side. It's really easy to look at this and say, well, clearly Tata has the advantage. He's He's been the manager for Barcelona. He's been the manager for Argentina. Um, but he's not been as successful in championship games as Savarisi has, and he's really had quite the positive experience in the last several years. He's he's been very he has a very strong winning track record recently, and so I'm actually going to give the slight edge to the Timbers on this point with the coaching. Now I say that I really think that it, this could easily be a push, um, and, and you could even make an argument to where you say Tata has the advantage, but in, in this just in the aspect not as a general manager but just as a just from the standpoint of managing in championship games I'm gonna give the advantage to Geo. In the goal in between the pipes on Atlanta side you got Brad Guzan and on Portland side Jeff Atanella. I don't think this one is uh very close. I think Atanella is a, a fine goalkeeper but Guzan is he's a national team goalkeeper for a reason. He's your you know he's probably the number one uh, keeper in terms of experience and still getting call-ups for the men's national team at the moment. Um, I, I don't think that's a very close matchup there. On the left wing, and this is going to be a little bit dicey because the two teams I don't think are going to be in the same formation, but I'm trying to match them as much like-for-like like as possible. I, there may be a few in here that are a bit of a stretch, but I'm going to do the best I can. So the first matchup I've got here is Greg Garza versus Jorge Villafana. 
out there on the left wing. And Viafania is going to play similar to Garza. Um, he's going to play a role like what Garza would play if Atlanta was in the 4-3-3. Um, so I think this is a fair comparison. And in this one, again, I give the edge slightly to the Timbers. Garza is certainly great and certainly good at what he does. Um, but I just think I think Jorge's got a little bit of an edge on him in that matchup. Your two left center backs, Leandro Gonzalez-Perez for Atlanta and Liam Ridgewell for Portland. Um, the, these two guys are very, very similar. Um, I want to give the edge to LGP just because – I he's I love him. He's such a great player and he really has this this grit about him, but honestly if you watch Liam Ridgewell so does he. So I'm actually calling this one a push. I think these two guys are um really shot for shot. I think they're I think they're each going to provide a crucial piece for their teams uh defensively and so I'm I'm calling this one a push. Uh, Michael Perkhart, Michael Parkhurst versus Laris, Mer- Laris Mabiala. Um, I'm assuming Mabiala is going to start in this match, um, but and he's and he's done really well for Portland. And honestly, he's going to be a lot better than Tuloma if he has to start. But either way, I think Michael Parkhurst has he's he's the Benjamin Button of Atlanta United. He's almost gotten better with age and. This year in particular has been a resurgent year for him. He's, he makes the best 11. He really is uh, – he's really the guy in charge. He's the captain. And uh, I think Parky gets the edge in this matchup. Franco Escobar and Zarek Valentin. Um, man, this one wasn't even hard. If you watch that last match, honestly, Valentin shouldn't even be playing in this match in my opinion. He committed a very, very poor foul right outside the 18 box um, that should have been a second yellow in that second leg against SKC. And uh, he should be suspended for this match, but I think he's still going to get the nod to start, but he's not going to bring what Escobar can bring um, for Atlanta United. So I think Atlanta United takes the advantage here as well. Jeff Lorenowitz and David Guzman. Um, this is a tough one as well. Um, I think you got two guys that are doing similar things for their team. I think uh, Larry's going to be a little more defensive, whereas Guzman may be a little more offensively minded of the two. Um, again, this is a really, really close one. I'm going to give the slight edge to Portland, to Guzman, here, um, not that I don't love Laurentowitz, he's he's definitely uh, one of the hearts and souls of the Atlanta United squad. Um, but I just think in that matchup in particular, Guzman probably brings a little more, uh, at least in terms of physicality, than Laurentowitz does. Diego Chara and Eric Rometty, um, again, two guys that are very very similar that do very similar things. I think these guys are going to be on top of each other all match. <laughs> Um, Rometty is very physical and can, um, definitely bring that level of physicality as an advantage to Atlanta United. But I really think Diego Chara is the man who pulls the strings for Portland. He's the guy that, that he's the connector. He's the guy that gets the ball where it needs to go for them to have any kind of success. So I think Chara is going to get the advantage there over Rometty. 
Sebastian Blanco versus Darlington Nagby. Uh, this is a big match. We didn't talk about this, but this will be a big match for Darlington Nagby. Um, this obviously last year he was playing for Portland, uh, had played most of his career there. So he's got a lot of friends on that side of the ball, but in a lot of ways, he's had a little bit of a resurgence here in Atlanta. He's doing different things. I think things that play more to his strengths in Atlanta than he was in Portland. And so he is going to be squared up in this for, for the sake of this comparison exercise against Sebastian Blanco. And honestly, that is a battle Darlington cannot win. He does not do the same things that Blanco does, and so maybe it's not a fair comparison, but it's it's the best one we had with uh, what we can work with with these lineups. Julian Gressel versus Andy Polo. Um, I don't think this one is is all that close. Gressel gets the advantage here. He really – he's incredible. Um, the way that he puts the ball places for the goal scorers to score. And honestly – He's really impressive that he can. He's just as capable of putting the ball in the back of the net as uh, some of the other players on Atlanta from really anywhere. He had a really great shot in the second leg versus the Red Bulls from a good ways out. That you know it was right on frame. It had to get saved by Robles. So I think Gressel gets the nod here. Um, Miguel Almiron and Diego Valeri, two all-star caliber players. Um, and, you know, it, it's – again, this one's very close. It's hard to to really say anything negatively about Diego Valeri. But at the same time, I think Miguel Almiron may be one of the best players to ever play in Major League Soccer. And I don't see how you could not give the nod here to Miggy. Miggy just does so much. Uh, even stuff that's unnoticed. Like, goal scoring is not his, uh, his primary asset, I don't think. Um, but, yeah, so I, I give the nod here to Miguel. And then Joseph versus uh, Abobasi. Look, I, I think Jeremy Abobasi is going to be a great piece for Portland in the future, but uh, he's young. This is his second year in the league. This is the first year he's really getting significant playing time, and it really didn't happen until later here in the season. Um, I think he's going to be great in the future, but you're talking about a guy who just broke the all-time uh, single-season scoring record. He has the all-time uh, MLS hat trick record he's your mvp for the 2018 season uh you gotta go joseph here so by my math that gives us one push six uh six in the in the tally for atlanta united five in the tally for portland and the reason i wanted to do that is my prediction is not going to be uh it's not going to make it sound as close as i really think this matchup's going to be um, I really think this matchup is very, very tight. It's not a 77% uh, to 33% match or whatever the math is there, 23%. I can't do math. <laughs> it's not a 77 to 23% chance um, that Atlanta's just going to dominate this game. I don't believe that in any stretch or fashion. I am going to say that I think this matchup is going to be a 2-0 victory for Atlanta. Uh, mostly, you know, I said it was going to be 2-0 when I was predicting the playoffs before they started, although I thought Atlanta was going to be playing Kansas City. But even as I step back this week, knowing, watching what these teams have gotten gone through to get here, um, I think Portland's a very scrappy team. I think that it wouldn't surprise me for them to, to, to tie this, to send it to extra time, to send it to penalties, or even to outright win this match. Um, but I really just think... 
I think Atlanta has the the firepower. I think Portland is going to play defensive. They're going to give Atlanta chances. I think Atlanta has gotten much better here in the playoffs at finishing their chances. Um, I just think you're going to see. I think you're going to see Atlanta be able to put two in the back of the net, and then when it's scramble time, um, I wouldn't be surprised to see Portland score one. But I really think uh, Atlanta has has worked their way into being able to play very defensively and keep teams out of the net. So I think it's going to be a 2-0 victory for Atlanta. I think they're going to lift the MLS Cup at the end of the game. And uh, before we get out of here, I want to let you know a couple things are going to be going on. So obviously the game is at 8 o'clock on Fox, Big Fox, not Fox Sports 1, Big Fox, like broadcast Fox, on Saturday. I think the actual kickoff is at 8.08. I think I saw that somewhere. Um, If you do not have a place to watch it other than your house, I would encourage you to get out to Yeehaw Brewing in Greenville, hang out with some other fans. Even if you're a Portland Timbers fan, I know the Hildreths came out and hung out with us last time um, while we were watching the second leg of the conference finals. They came out and hung out a little bit. Um, But come out. It's a great group. Who knows? uh, Greenville Triumph folks have been there. Greenville FC folks have been there at different points for some of these games. So you never know who you're going to see. John Harks was out there last time. So come on out. It'll be a great time. I know the Reedy River Riot folks will be out there, and they'll have stickers and ways you can sign up for uh, the supporters group out there. So make sure you get out there if you're going to be around or if you're like me and you're going to go down to Atlanta and be there for MLS Cup. I hope you have a great time. I know I'm really, really looking forward to it. Um, And I can't wait to see what happens on Saturday. But for my part, I'm hoping for a five stripes win. Hey, thanks for tuning into this very special MLS episode of Yeah, That Soccer Show. We'll be back with you soon to talk more preseason coverage for Greenville Triumph and hopefully uh, even catch up with some Greenville FC news going forward. Thanks for tuning in.